if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back again to another episode of We're Talking Shift. I thought it would be fun for a change to invite a friend to co-host the show with me today. Her name is Lauren Geertsen. And well, if you've been a longtime listener, then you know that she's been a guest on the show couple times in the past. The first time was to talk about her new book, The Invisible Corset, which is all about the psychological abuse of the diet industry and the beauty industry. And also uh, we talked about cultivating a healthy relationship with your body. So a, a bunch of other stuff too. That was episode 124. If you missed it, go back and check it out. And then she was also back for episodes 135 and 136. It was like a two-parter where we talked at length about our favorite health practices, detox tips, um, gosh, everything that you should stop doing if you are in hot pursuit of up leveling your life. So um, I always look forward to our conversations. Now, as a reminder, Lauren is a body connection coach and a nutritional therapy practitioner. So like me, she is all about health mentally, physically, and emotionally, which is why I love talking with her and having her on the show. So today we're going to sort of talk soup our way through a variety of things like radical responsibility. Don't let that scare you. Don't be running for the hills now. Just hang in there with us. Uh, we're going to talk about worshiping false idols. A lot of times we're doing that. We don't even know we're doing it. So we'll, t- we'll dive into that a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about how to step it up and I don't know, whatever else comes up for us. I know it'll be good no matter what. So let's just get right to it. Lauren, are you ready to talk shift? I'm ready to roll, Lori. (laughs) Awesome. This will be fun. I'm so glad that you were able to come back at kind of short notice and and let's just like throw it out there and see what we come up with. I think it's going to be a very interesting, slightly different show. Yeah, absolutely. And these topics are close to my heart and what I've been thinking about a lot because the only way out and forward right now for the world is this concept of radical responsibility, you know, not Mm. outsourcing our discernment and decision making to any kind of externals including false idols and bringing it all back home to ourselves yeah yeah the outsourcing part um really i i think that's that's one of the many things that's really up for me too um it's like if this pandemic pandemic quotations around that (laughs) air quotes uh, has taught you anything, people, listeners, anybody, you know, I'm hoping that it is, among other things, the, the critical importance of taking, like, really taking control of your own health, right? I mean, there's just some things, as you say, that you can't outsource. And, uh, you know, I think um, it's highly unlikely when we're speaking about health, that your doctor is going to be able to give you any real effective plans for getting healthy. I mean, you know, 
they can tell you this is what's typical, right? They're going to say, well, yes. Okay. Here's what's going on with you. You know, cause maybe, maybe you go in and you're not feeling well, you're, you're sluggish, you're low on energy, you have brain fog, you know, you should lose some weight. I mean, all the usual stuff. Right. Um, and the doctor's going to say, oh, you know, yes. Um, try losing some weight, try doing some exercise and, uh, try eating healthier. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. then people walk out not knowing really, okay, I, I guess that's the goal, but how do I get there? Not a clue, right? Because, you know, if you if you try uh, asking the doctor any more specifics, they're, they're not really going to know. They're not, they're not trained, right, to, to talk about specific nutrition. Yeah. Well, here's what comes to my mind around all this is if we are in the place of helplessness with our health, with any aspect of our life. And we are just saying to the ethers, I am helpless. Somebody come in and save me. Now, oftentimes we don't realize we're putting that message out there, but that if that's in our subconscious, if that's in our psyche, and that's the message we're putting out, guess what? Somebody will come in and save you, but there is no such thing as a free lunch. And you better be really darn careful about who you accept as your savior because mm -hmm. it will come with strings attached. Mm -hmm. And so many people go to the doctor's office, not knowing they're putting that message out there. And guess what? The, the strings attached are gonna be the pharmaceutical industry now is going to uh, worsen your health in the long term, bring you into this vicious cycle that mm -hmm. is, and what people don't know is that at the core of that system, the core of the Western medical system, it's designed to separate humans from their internal healing wisdom and their divine connection. It's, mm -hmm. it's a spiritual battleground there. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same thing with people who outsourced uh, and put that message of fear and helplessness out when the propaganda started around the air quote pandemic, because <laughs> then what, what happened was they allowed the government to swoop in as a savior or, you know, the pharmaceutical industry to swoop in as a savior again, but that was just a wolf in mm -hmm. sheep's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's so dangerous to walk through the world with that energy and that belief of helplessness, because you're going to attract a psychopath, a narcissist, you know, mm -hmm. into your life in all different ways, shapes and forms. Yeah. Cause they do come in, in different shapes and in forms and colors and sizes and mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, how trusting, people are in just ceding their welfare to literally perfect strangers. Yeah. The pharmaceutical company, if you don't get that you need to follow the money trail and see who gets to benefit the most from your unwellness, from your ill health, if you don't connect those dots, then you're, then you just either you don't want to, because that would require some responsibility to start looking deeper at things, or you just, you're just not getting it. You're just not seeing the big picture. And it's why, you know, I say, think of yourself not as a patient, but as a customer mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, anything to do with your health and well-being, and, and asking somebody that you think, or you have been taught to think or brainwashed to think is an authority 
on your health. Now, let's let's qualify this, people. We're not talking about the really obvious things, like if you get in a car accident and you have broken limbs and internal bleeding. Clearly, you need doctors that specialize in fixing your bones and your internal bleeding. That's not exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about overall the health and the well-being of yourself that is in your control, mentally, yeah, physically. Right. Good clarification there. It, yeah. I really think the only redeeming quality in Western medicine is uh, for things like surgery, you know, acute conditions, but it shouldn't have anything to do with uh, chronic lifestyle conditions. It shouldn't yeah. be part of birthing. It shouldn't be part of death. It shouldn't be part of all those, those other um, capacities that have traditionally been handled by the shamans or the healers. Um, people mm -hmm. who are in touch with the spiritual dimension of the world and an understanding that our minds and our, our souls are predominant factor in our physical health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and as long as we're talking about um, our, our minds and our souls, let's, let's talk about worshiping false idols because, you know, that's, that's really where we're going. I mean, you know, anything, I think that anything that a person thinks they need to be okay to fulfill a need, um, to make you feel good about yourself, your safety, your health. Um, if you need it and somehow you're going to be worse off without it, anything that's outside of yourself is worshiping a false idol. Like if you need, if you feel like you need your crystals and your guru and your doctor and your government, you know, to lead you to the promised land, that's worshiping a false idol. And we do it in so many ways that we don't even realize we're doing it. And with so many different things like our government, you know, political leaders, religious leaders, um, celebrities, professional athletes. Uh, we worship power, having power over other people, um, money, of course, things, possessions, um, medicines, right? Um, not only the pharmaceuticals, but even the natural ones, you can start worshiping, you know, all of that stuff too. rituals, we can worship that, you know, and nowadays, more than ever, it seems like people are worshiping safety in the form of protecting their health more than anything else. And, you know, I think that when you get into that place where you feel like, I have to have those things, it, or, or those people in order to feel like I'm whole and okay and safe. Now you're in that place of worshiping and those are not the things that you need, you know, to be a well, whole, happy individual. That's such a good way to say it. When I think about that concept, I use the term giving your power away mm -hmm. to them, but I like that is that same analogy of you're worshiping a false idol. I mm -hmm. have a funny story to tell about this from somebody who made me into a false idol. <laughs> I was like, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, got a comment from a reader recently who she loved my book, The Invisible Corset. And she was telling me about, oh yeah, help me heal my relationship with my body, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. But, and then she got really emotional. She was like, I saw that you're coming out as anti-vaccine and and then she went off the rails and was like what do you think about trump and QAnon? are you one of those people and oh, she's like i can't trust you anymore now that you are coming out as anti-vax 
And I had to laugh to myself because my book, The Invisible Corset, is literally about do not outsource your authority. You need to turn inwards to your own inner guidance mm -hmm. um, to determine your beliefs and your best choices. And here yeah. she was, she was so desperate for to continue outsourcing that she just put that now on me. You know, mm -hmm. she had missed the message of my book and went directly to me needing a guru. And I, I basically said to her, I'm, I don't want to be your guru. I'm nobody's guru. Uh, I'm so glad the book resonated with you and would encourage you to go back to that core message of how to trust yourself to use discernment when the world is, um, you know, in this place of conflict. And there's a lot of confusing information from every which way, yeah. you know, that's the key that we, we need is, and I've faced that journey myself, you know, there have been people along my path who I've really looked up to and admired and they've been on my vision boards and I'm like, I'm going to have an interview with Oprah one day. And right. then I, I learn more about the mainstream and the cabal. And I'm like, whoopsies, I outsourced some <laughs> of my authority there to some people who are deep in the dark, dark trenches of the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I thought that at one point in my life, I thought I needed those sources um, mm -hmm. to kick off my career or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that was such an illusion that I'm glad I could realize I, first of all, I don't need anyone who's attached to the darkness in mm -hmm. any way to kick mm -hmm. off my career. Like that was mm -hmm. a, that was a misbelief that I had. And I was grateful for the opportunity to realize I had given my power away and made gurus of these people. Um, and so I, the piece of advice I have here is trust yourself enough to uh, take what resonates from some people and mm. leave the rest. Mm -hmm. I have many of these, uh, you know, authors I respect or public speakers, and they have gone off the deep end of crazy when it comes to the vaccine yeah. propaganda, but there yeah. are still aspects of their work that I appreciate and admire. And I don't have to write them off because I trust myself enough to have that discernment. Yeah, I, that's such a good point. Um, because I've noticed too, in this in these recent months, um, there have been a few people that I didn't necessarily like it wasn't a worship, but there was a, a great amount of reverence for and I you know, great spiritual teachers, um, you know, people that I had a lot of respect and reverence for. And then when I saw um, then when I saw that there was a couple that were sort of getting into the the whole, you know, political thing and, you know, pharmaceuticals with the with the shot. And I was like, there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of judgment coming forth. And um, and I was surprised. I was like, whoa, I, I kind of thought you were above above that. So even even if it's somebody that it, you know, is, has been doing good things. They haven't necessarily been sort of, you know, dabbling on the dark side. There's a lot of people that have been doing great works. And then when the really big challenges like this stuff have come up, that's caused such a division in people, they've kind of shown some other sides of themselves or another dimension of themselves that seemed to me to be a little bit beneath where I thought they were in consciousness. Totally. That's, and that's so valuable. Um, can I bounce something mm -hmm. off that point? Mm -hmm. uh, what the biggest lesson I have learned in the last couple years, there's been a few, but one of them is that I never expected this division of consciousness to happen 
in these certain ways among certain people. There were people who I, I would have assumed would be at a certain level of frequency and consciousness and heart opening. Uh, and those, it's like the people I most expected to be there are not. The people I least expected to be there are. Mm. And uh, my analogy that I keep going back to is like, we've been on these different ice flows that have been cracking in unexpected ways. And we've been standing on our own little, little ice pieces and now they are cracking apart and we just have to go with the flow because that is breaking up along people's um, degree of, of frequency and alignment. Mm -hmm. And we're going to follow the flow as those ice flows come back together in a new arrangement mm -hmm. um, in kind of our own little world and island. And mm. it's going to be separate from the people who are not at that uh, level of awareness, not mm. interested in opening their eyes and their hearts to what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just because I can totally resonate with the experience you shared where I was like, what? My spiritual gurus are falling for this? Yeah. Um, and uh, honestly, yeah. I think the when it comes to some of the larger ones, like the Dalai Lama or like... Um, Who's that Deepak Chopra? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those people, my, my instinct and my gut is like, no, they didn't just fall for it. They have been installed um, to co-opt the spiritual new age movement, but they were part of, um, they had dark ties all along to get them to that level of success. And then when the puppet masters needed to pull their strings, they pulled their strings. So that's, that's interesting that you say that, like, I wouldn't like Deepak Chopra, for instance. Um, so you feel like he's been doing that all along to kind of get to the level of, of, I guess, celebrity, um, notoriety that he has gotten to, or do you yeah. think that he just got influenced in order to not lose his status? Like, I think, mm. I think there's a lot of people that have been doing a lot of good things for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And then, I, but I wonder if just like celebrities, for example, if when, you know, when the powers that be decide um, they need to do everything possible to start swaying the masses as much as possible. So they look for the people that are influential in, in so many different, you know, genres of our lives. And so I'm wondering if some of those people maybe haven't been, <clears throat> you know, dabbling in the dark side mm -hmm. uh, for all along, but maybe... Is it possible, like many doctors, for example, when push came to shove and they're approached and influenced to say, we need you to be more on this team uh, with your message, um, if the fear of being basically canceled, you know, uh, unlicensed, all of smeared, all of the things that have happened to people that have not fallen in line, if there's the fear there that that's going to happen to them, so they kind of just go with that flow. I, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And I can entertain that theory. Like we just have to go off hypotheses. And certainly if we we're in a court of law, we couldn't say any of this because we're ascribing intentions to people and we have no idea. Right. But what I think is, huh, if Deepak Chopra, for example, was really walking his talk, you know, he really meant the stuff he's been writing about for decades, he would not hesitate for a second to do the right thing. He would know it in his gut. He talks about intuition. He talks about, you know, mm -hmm. divine consciousness. He talks about, um, you know, the concept of being impeccable with your word and standing in integrity. And 
I haven't been practicing that. I'm not as alive as long as he is. And for me, I didn't hesitate for a friggin' second when I thought one of my book contracts contracts might be dropped uh, because I was speaking the truth. And I was like, that's, it wasn't even a question for me. I'm, of course, I'm going to do the right thing. So I think that if people like that really had walked their talk, their entire career didn't make shortcuts, they wouldn't have hesitated to do the right thing. Hmm. Uh, that's where I come from. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm not, I haven't paid any attention to anything he's been up to lately. So I don't know what he's been talking about. So yeah. Not... Yeah. I'm, and we're just using him as a scapegoat. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of them like Dr. Oz and all these other people. And, and I, I've heard the concept of, well, they're just trying to maintain their grasp in the mainstream so that they can bring good information out to people who would otherwise have their, their eyes closed to that, or who wouldn't be open to that information. I don't buy that. I don't because from my current experience and um, realizing the mainstream is not going to promote a person whose frequency and work and, and just energetic presence has the ability to wake people up too much. Mm -hmm. They are not going to put the spotlight on that person. Um, and that's why we're at this place. And I'm, I just, I feel privileged and honored, like deep down in my soul to be a part of this new generation of people who are like, well, then I don't need to work within the broken system mm -hmm. because that will, that will shrink the power of my message and my energetic presence. I'm going to bring that to the world unpolluted, even if I have to build the framework or the publishing frameworks or whatever to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's mm. my reflection on that. Mm. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, there's, there's a lot of very interesting things going on. And it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a mess, and it's painful for so many. And it's, and, and it's tragic uh, for so many. Um, and I don't want to minimize that, because there's a lot of horrible things that have happened to people that are just awful, especially since a lot of it has been completely unnecessary. Um, that's and and that's the crime of that but um that aside just this whole big um you know taking literally taking the world like it's a basket and shaking it up and dumping it upside down and it's just like whoa now what what is going on everything has literally you know come in into this this state of chaos but uh i find it to be though an exciting time in how things are going to evolve. What is that going to look like? You know, what is, what's going to happen in our country? You know, they're, they're, we're kind of at a, uh, a, a very um, vulnerable spot right now. So and this I is have where faith I though. Yeah. I have faith that Me it's going to be okay and even better. It's going to be ugly for a while. I think it's going to get a lot trickier and maybe, you know, worse in a lot of ways before it gets better. But I have faith that I have faith. I still have faith, even though we're at a great, uh, in, a, in a lot of conflict and a lot of um, division right now, but I have faith in the American spirit. So I really feel like it's, you know, as ugly as this feels and and maybe getting ugly, uglier i think it's going to evolve in a good way at you know in the future in the not not that like not the future maybe like 100 tomorrow. years <laughs> yeah but like you know seven years you know within the decade so you I just gotta buckle too. up right? yeah and i this comes back to the 
concept of radical responsibility again, which is when the world has been shaken up, how are we going to use that? Because mm -hmm. that doesn't have to dictate the outcome of our life. And I've, yeah. my perspective is I'm not going to play victim when things that I've believed in or assumptions I've had turn out to be illusions. And mm -hmm. that's where people are right now, realizing mm -hmm. this illusion of, oh, I trusted the media. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I trusted the government, but they're not trustworthy. I trusted the Western medical system. Shouldn't have done that. Like to actually as painful as it, it's painful to lose illusions, mm -hmm. but it's that archetypal process of pulling away the curtain and the Wizard of Oz is behind there, but he's just a small man, man with his lovers and realizing that is actually a great gift because it's this concept of, oh, he didn't have the power to save me all along. That's the terrifying moment. But then a second later, we come to the realization that the power to save me is within me. So in yeah. order to get to our own recognition of our power, we have to see these illusions in a really unsettling, terrifying way. That's such a good point. I always say that if you are stuck in the illusion or you're buying into the illusion, the first three letters are I-L-L. -L. You're literally ill, right? The he, the illusion makes you ill in some way, not, you know, not necessarily physically, but you're just not, you're not quite healthy in your perspective of things. And so once the illusion, like you said, once the curtain is pulled back and you see the reality of things, or you see them from a higher perspective, let's say from a new fresh perspective, you have a realization, you have a new awareness that, ah, you were, kind of ill in a way all of that time but if you then realize that as you say the it's all it's all within you so it's kind of like go back to what is the greatest resource and the resource is literally your source your source and your source is you know that's all inner that's all you know where do you who is your or what is your true authority that's where you lean into it's not another person out there or a company or a, a or a tribe or anything out there or anyone out there it's it's all so much within your power to to decide if you're going to ruin your life or if you're going to make it better if mm -hmm. you're going to stay stagnant and stuck and refuse to evolve or if you're going to reinvent yourself and look at, you know, there's new circumstances. How can I, you know, be, how can I take advantage of this and turn this into an opportunity? You know, I was talking um, with, ah, I can't remember who it was recently. And um, I said, you know, one of the things that's such an interesting way to change your mindset around situations that are problematic for you is to reframe it and stop looking at things in your life that are problems and instead look at them as a project. Mm. So, you know, when you're thinking of the things that are problems, you know, it's a financial problem, it's a health problem, it's a it's a political problem, it's a it's a relationship problem, it's a problem, 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 whatever. Everyone thinks that, you know, when they come up against something, 
uh, when, when the road is not smooth anymore and there's speed bumps, it's problems. But if you look at these things instead as a project, because the problem's like negative, nobody wants to get up and face the problem. They get up hoping that somehow it evaporated in the middle of the night while they were sleeping, right? They don't want to get up and face it. They don't want to get up and have to deal with it. But if it's a project, that's a positive energy. Who doesn't want to, who isn't excited to get up every day and work on the project? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to shape this? How am I going to create, you know, this thing and turn it into something that, you know, is works for me or is effective or is, you know, the next level, whatever it is. But I think it just brings a whole different mindset, a whole different energy into the things that maybe are bothersome to people. Uh, if you just literally think of it that way, because again, now you're also coming back to when you're working on a project, it's a creative thing, right? Which creativity is an internal thing. You're coming from the inside out. But when you're, this. right, then when you're looking at something as a problem, it's like it's out there and I need to find something out there to try to fix it. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah, just a whole different the, vibe. Yeah. The only thing we need to fix is the thinking. And then the problem fixes itself. It's that quote, well, you can't solve a problem with the same level of consciousness that created the problem. And literally, right. if we are looking Einstein. at it as a problem, we are yeah. creating the problem. Yeah. This. Um, so I had a question I wanted to ask you. It kind of fits in with this paradigm uh, of mm -hmm. radical responsibility, which is what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self or you know, young, young 20 self about healing or about taking responsibility for your healing in whatever capacity that is. Mm, okay. That's interesting. I got to think back to when I was 20, where my mind was piece of advice for healing responsibility over healing. Is that? Yeah. Or you're at any, any, which, uh, way to phrase that where it is around healing an aspect of yourself. Okay. Hmm. I you on the think spot. <laughs> you are, you are, you should give me a heads up so I could add something <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> no, but, uh, but, but once, once it comes to, cause really it's just take, it was, I was 20 a long time ago, Lauren. <laughs> it was like four decades ago. So <laughs> I gotta, I mean, it's not like it was just yesterday. I feel like so, our friendship I, is ageless, but we do have an age difference between us. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think I, my kids are your age. So, yeah. um, okay. So let's see. When I was 20, I would say what was something that I really needed that I should have, you know, I think for me, I think for me, it would have been having trust and confidence in my own intuition because mm -hmm. I had good intuition, but I didn't, I didn't realize it and I didn't really heed it. Uh, I was more about what's, you know, going, what's going to be most approved of, accepted, you know, the usual stuff. Um, so I think that that would be a big one that I'm looking back in hindsight, I know that I was a very, you know, intuitive person and I, 
I had good insights about things, but a lot of times the decisions I made weren't based on that. They were based on what I thought was probably the, the smarter or more acceptable thing to do. So I think the advice would be, don't do that. <laughs> Listen, <Yeah. laughs> listen advice. to your, yeah, trust, yeah. trust your intuition, trust that voice in you. Don't, it, you know, don't ignore it. Don't quiet it. Trust it. That's probably the biggest one for me. Yeah, I hear that. I was listening to an audio book with Carolyn Meese, and mm -hmm. she was saying how she had a very intuitive grandmother, which was kind of her model, uh, mm. a woman who stands in her intuition, even mm. though that might look a little bit crazy. And Carolyn said the factor that her grandmother had was very high self-esteem. And her grandmother liked herself. And that was what allowed her to be so intuitive. Mm. That really landed with me. Like, yeah, that's interesting. What do you think shifted for you? So now that you, you feel comfortable following your intuition. I think the biggest shift has been developing um, confidence in myself that I didn't have at that age. You know, a yeah. confidence in just my thoughts, confidence in what I would have had to say confidence in my voice um the things that i i didn't have then i i liked myself i i didn't ever have a problem with that i never went through a phase where um where i literally disliked myself uh disliked some of the decisions that i made realizing that they were not the best but you know don't we all um so mm -hmm. i think though that if if I would have had more confidence in my own, um, you know, my own outlook and my voice at a younger age, that would have served me better sooner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I've been thinking about this question too. I was, I was prompted by writing a letter to my younger self. It's an exercise that I often do. Like when mm -hmm. I need some advice right now, I'm like, can I find that within myself? Mm -hmm. And I, I think what I would land on is that, you know, you're going in the right direction of healing when it brings you closer to love, where it expands your capacity to love, mm -hmm. uh, because that's where I would, I would get tripped up with the emotional components. Like I uh, didn't want to give up certain resentments, uh, certain anger, you know, certain beliefs that, oh, this person ruined my life or my mm. parents broke my life or whatever, you know, we all have our yeah. judgments and blames, especially as teenagers and young adults and that, uh, and I would hold on to that belief, but I didn't put the pieces together that that was blocking my ability to heal because it was blocking the love I was able to let in and let out of me. And mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, that is ultimately what heals us, mm -hmm. our ability to let in love and to let out love. Yeah, I, I think so too, that um, that willingness and ability to let it flow in and let it flow out. And let it flow out regardless of how much you feel like you might want to withhold it sometime. Mm -hmm. Because that happens, you know, with people and problems that we haven't turned into projects yet, you know, circumstances, we want to withhold it. Um, you know, if you know, you, you're in a relationship with somebody and they do something that, you know, 
that you don't like or that makes you feel bad or that makes you feel angry you know our our, our initial go-to frequently is to withhold it then which of course doesn't serve anything in a positive way um so yeah energetically when you are willing to let it flow out that's that's a higher level of being of of, of walking you know the earth is Mm -hmm. regardless of that's a that's a pretty high teaching um and it's a pretty hard thing for people to be it's a really hard one even when you practice it all the time it can still you're going to be challenged and probably sometimes you're gonna you're gonna stumble and and you're gonna fail at it but you keep trying because that's how you raise your level of consciousness that's how you become um a more evolved i think human um Mm -hmm. is to is to not resist and withhold um yeah and that's say oh on on that topic this is where i see our culture taking a a nosedive people falling in line especially with things like critical race theory uh or you know the alphabet Mm -hmm. soup stuff of gender identity like uh, and i whenever i talk about that i feel like i'm going into dangerous territory and i always preface it with like i am bi so i'm one of the alphabeters and i think we're all crazy like we have gone off the deep end of crazy but it's like what happens within these these paradigms is it's so based on um with holding love towards other people becoming mm-hmm. a victim of other people's wrong thinking about mm-hmm. you and i see it breeding so much anger so much anger towards quote the other person who is thinking wrong and it's making people sick it's Mm -hmm. making people sick who think this way and so i always have it on my heart especially because i i for half a moment there i was like kind of getting sucked in with this wokeism like mm-hmm. talk about worshiping false idols and stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, and I, thankfully I was able to recognize it uh, as an illusion and an illness of thinking pretty quickly because I had a history with uh, psychological abuse and, and researching cult dynamics and fundamentalist religions. And I could see it checking off all the boxes, yeah. uh, it being the woke mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where I feel especially the younger generation is blocking their own healing in profound ways by falling into this mentality of uh, resentment and um, which prevents them from loving other people and uh, letting more love into their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's presenting itself as a very self-righteous attitude, Mm -hmm. which is very different than righteous. And, you know, I want to make that distinction. Righteousness is not the same thing. You know, that's like, you know, righteousness is a, is a right thinking, a higher thinking, a more spiritual thinking, uh, you know, right, righteousness in, in its proper context, I think, is when you are thinking in a way that is promoting the, the highest good for everyone. Mm-hmm. self-righteousness yeah and and self-righteousness is more about what's just good for you the self yeah the problem is these people think they're promoting what's in the highest good of everyone when in fact they're just promoting and protecting their egos that's the core of it 
Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it's coming off and I'm sure that there are some of people that are, this is not the conscious intention, you know, and, and some it is, but, um, I don't want to just, you know, blanket generalize everyone, but I, but it's coming off as I demand, or we demand that you, um, accept this as we put it forth and that you, um, and that you embrace it and that you think this way too. And if not, if you, if you can't do those things, then, you know, you're, uh, you're just not worthy or you're not, you're you not know, I don't know what it is. You're unlovable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're not welcome. You're not, I don't know. You're not a whole bunch of things that are negative. It sounds like that's the feeling yeah. that's happening. Um, yeah, I think that's accurate. Another paradigm I notice is this concept of people holding on to the belief, I am wounded. So what are you going to do about it? That's, <laughs> you know, it's like they, it's okay. So I am what underprivileged, ostracized. I am broken in some way. What are you going to do about it to make me feel better? Mm-hmm. Where that is the opposite of radical responsibility. Radical responsibility would look like I am wounded. What am I going to do about it? You yes. are none of my business your perceptions, none of my business, your beliefs about me, none of my business. Mm -hmm. It's up to me to make me feel better, to make me feel validated. And what it comes down to often is a complete lack of true spiritual identity. So people Mm -hmm. are trying to find their identity in their brokenness and their race and their sexual orientation. That's not evolved. That's not your identity. Your identity is as a spiritual being having a human experience when you know who you are and what you're here to do on earth, you know, yourself as a divine being, you don't need to have all that other like tribalistic Mm -hmm. identifying factors. Yeah. It's very needy. It's (laughs) extraordinarily needy (laughs) and needy tells, tells me a needy person still has a lot of work to do. Um, and that's their work to do. It's not everybody else's work to do. It's, it's yours. Right. And I think that is a really, that's a good point too, because, um, again, it's, you're asking other people to prioritize, to, to take, to take their own priorities away from their own beliefs and their own, their own, you know, life things and shift it all over to you and making you feel better about yourself. Yeah. That's not another person's job that, as you say, that's, that's the individual's job. That's between you and, and your maker, you and your creator, you and your issues, you and your wounds, whatever. Um, and I think that a lot of people, I, I imagine maybe you've had this experience too, in working with some of your clients, but when they're, when, when somebody's coming with, uh, you know, I have this unhealedness or I have this wound and this triggers me. Sometimes, you know, (laughs) sometimes once you really start to work through that, you find out that that was, um, really just a, a, a misthinking a wrong way of thinking about whatever the thing is that's up for them. And, um, and once you start processing through it, they realize that, uh, you know what, 
I, I was kind of looking at this all wrong. And there's not necessarily something that needs to be healed. And I'm not saying that sometimes there are things, but frequently it's not a healing. It's a, it's a ascribing of a new meaning to what it is that you are all hung up about that frees you from that situation that you've been hanging on to for however many, you know, weeks, months, years, decades, that's causing you to have your, you know, tripping you up now. That's still tripping you up. It's your story that you're still telling and you're still tripping you up. And then you are, you know, I'm, as you say, I'm, I'm triggered by X, Y, or Z. Well, so, so we're all supposed to be psychic and know what triggers everybody else about all your, your wounds and, and try it and, you know, psychically figure it out so that we don't say or do something that causes you discomfort. That's yeah. a big ask. It's a big ask. I, that's such a good point. And the like foundational paradigm of my work when I'm coaching people is it's kind of unspoken, but I'll speak it now is nobody has to change for you to fix your life, except mm -hmm. you, except you. This is such a big ask for people to believe that a lot of people cannot swallow it at the beginning of their healing journey. It was not something I could have grasped at the beginning of my healing journey. I would have been like, no, my parents need to change. My family needs to change. My body needs to change, whatever. But at the end of the day, it is wholly within the individual's power to create the changes that they need, whether it is by improving their own communication, which actually shifts the world around them radically, mm -hmm. uh, improving and changing their boundaries, uh, leaving certain relationships, creating new relationships, new jobs, new uh, subconscious belief systems they can change all of that, mm -hmm. every single part. And it doesn't rely on you manipulating anyone else's perception or manipulating anyone else's behavior, mm -hmm. uh, which is what, what happens when we're um, triggered and we go into a very like passive aggressive victim-y uh, approach. What, is that, what we're actually doing is trying to manipulate and control another person's behavior and thoughts, mm -hmm. which is not love. Love does not manipulate. No, it doesn't. It's not love for the other person. And it's really not love for yourself either. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you are still relying on some other process to feel okay in the moment. Right. It, over something that it no longer exists except in your mind. Because if it's a, if it's a past, you know, if it's a wound or a healing or a trauma or whatever the thing is that happened in the past, it's, it's doesn't exist anymore, except in your mind. So that's a deep concept for people to grasp. It's true, but I mean, it, that's so profoundly liberating when we can realize that mm -hmm. we are, we are giving our power away to something that happened in the past. Yeah. And and the, and the key part of that is in the past, not right now. It's like, are you okay, safe right now though? Like right now, are you okay? Like physically, you know, maybe you're still got shit going on up in your mind that you need to, to deal with and process clearly, mm -hmm. but are you mm -hmm. physically okay? Are you in danger? Are you on fire? Is somebody trying to attack you right now? Is that if there was a person involved in your trauma, are they right now in your face threatening you? Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, what a client could potentially say is, well, I have PTSD. It's literally trapped in my body. 
It's making my body react in certain ways. I do not have power over how it has changed my brain chemistry, mm-hmm. physiology, whatever. But mm-hmm. again, that's another fallacy because what I see happening is that people are often holding on to that PTSD at a subconscious level because they don't want to leave the familiarity that it provides. It provides them an excuse from doing certain Mm -hmm. things, being honest in a certain way, having to have hard conversations, uh, maybe having to apply for a different job or whatever it may be. It gives them a lot of out and it it Mm -hmm. gives them an excuse for not doing scary and uncomfortable things to get out of their comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. when we can look at that, like, because I truly believe for talking radical responsibility, we are holding on to those patterns in our body and our mind and our soul because they serve us. And when we can realize I don't need that to serve me anymore, we have the choice to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. The comfort zone thing is interesting because the comfort zone, um, and I, I just, uh, in, in the conversation I had on last, I think it was last week's podcast with, uh, with Terry uh, Trespiccio, we were talking about comfort zone. Um, and I really almost think it's, it's like your reference to somebody, for example, that it, the issue is PTSD. That is not a comfortable zone. It's just the zone, right? It's the zone you're familiar with. But, you know, if you look at it, it's like so many people that are struggling with something, whether it's that or some other issue, they're like, and you start talking about, okay, what are the things that you could do to, you know, to change, to move forward, to evolve, to, you know, get through this. But that sounds so hard. That's so, that sounds really hard, but I'm like, yeah, but you're already doing hard. Yeah. Let's, how about you just switch to a hard that's going to serve you better instead of keeping you stuck. If you're already yeah. doing things that are hard, you're already doing things that are, you think it's a comfort zone, but it's an uncomfortable zone. It's just a familiar zone, right? Yeah. The woman who made the whole 30 diet, she says, choose your hard, which is exact same thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the hard that we often don't want to choose is the hard that threatens our ego. So when we step out of the familiar zone, we have to realize, whoa, I was wrong about this belief. Um, I uh, did not take responsibility here and I mistreated another person. I used my wounds to manipulate. I, it creates a lot of um, emotions to process around uh, shame, around self-blame, around disappointment, discouragement, but that is what we have to face in order to heal. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's this concept of, do you want to be healed or do you want to be right? we have this concept in relationships, right? But it's Mm -hmm. like within the relationship with ourselves, do you want your ego to be right? And you're going to stay unhealed or do you want to challenge your ego and be healed? Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. And that's so true because that ego is going to do everything in its power to remain in control. That, that, and that's our work. You know, you can, you can, you can serve two masters, right? You can serve your, your higher self or your higher power, whatever you want to call it, or you can serve your ego. There, one's that's one's it. right, one's east and one's west. <laughs> yeah, and that's why my my favorite prayer and the scariest thing that I have ever prayed over and over is not my will but thine. My will is the ego. Thy will is the higher power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a version of that too, um, which is my will is 
is your will, my, my, mm. high, the higher power, mm-hmm. God. I just say God, mm-hmm. but, or sometimes I say source. I like that too. Um, that, that, that divine intelligence, that, that first cause, whatever you want to call it, that's, that's that in, that's that in inner place. That's that inner world that if we can just practice and remember going in there, for whatever it is you feel you are needing rather than out there to other things and people and outlets and stuff and distractions um it's such a sense of peace and it's such a sense of being empowered because now you are empowered by the only true power and you know it's such a um a force of of guidance and and strength and confidence in you know, whatever it is you are all about. Um, And I think there's been, I feel like, just my opinion, there's been a great overusage of words like healing and wounds and trauma. It's like everybody's got their shit. And do we have to all call it, label it, my, my trauma, my triggers, my healing, my wounds, because it's like my PSD or my sciatica or my, you know... (laughs) arthritis as soon as we make the mistake of taking ownership over that thing you own it it's almost like you it's your child my my child my thing this is my thing my identity right it becomes part of your identity which then becomes your tribe you find other people around that yeah and it yeah, yeah it becomes your world your tribe your identity your your, you know, it, it, things start to revolve around it and it becomes now an excuse and a reason. It doesn't do you any good to take ownership over things that aren't good for you and you know are not in your best interest or, you know, health-wise, psychologically, mentally, whatever. Yeah. And that's a reframe. My. Yeah. A reframe that I like to use there is a lesson, not my disease, a mm-hmm. lesson for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Or a, um, a tap on the shoulder. What is this trying to tell me? Yeah. This is trying to tell me something. I should listen to this because it's a clue for something that I need to do to do better at, to, you know, to figure out. I think, I think it's a message too. Yeah. A message and then, um, and then a lesson, which then, right. If you figure it out, if you listen and you go, Oh, I know why. I feel like this, or I've been thinking like this, or I've been behaving this way, or I'm suffering in this way. Once you heed the, the, the lesson, then you have a blessing, right? You learn, you evolve. The, what's I the learning? Like we perfectly brought that back to radical responsibility. <laughs> like, then right? you can heal it and you're free. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. as we, as we used to say it, uh, when I was, um, doing life coach training, um, a long time ago was then it becomes a blessing, right? It's a blessing and a lesson. That's what we want, right? We want to use all of this stuff for our own good, not be used by it. So yes, radical responsibility. I know that a lot of people are not excited about that. It's a lot easier, right? To, um, to cede the responsibility for everything in your life to everyone else, whether it's your spouse or your friends or your parents or your doctors or your religious leaders or your political leaders, uh, because then when things don't go right, you have somebody else to blame. Oh, 
that, you know, is their fault. And then, you know, that's how we stay stuck though. We can't shift. We can't level up if we don't shift our thinking around all of those things first. So yeah, I love your I love your phrase radical responsibility because really I think people if you want to anything that you are trying to make better in your life, that's where it starts. It starts with the shift in your thinking and part of that means who's responsible. Mhm. Yeah. This was a great conversation. I my brain's already but like I want to go take notes from <laughs> what we discussed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We we kind of um, wove our way all over the place, which is exactly what I wanted to do. I thought that that would be fun to just see where we go with this. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was awesome. I'm I'm excited. I'm going to listen back to it. So you're right. I can go back and take notes because uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm sure we could still jump into. So you just let me know when you want to come back and do this For again. Sure. I would love to. I love so- chatting with you, Lori. I, I, yeah, I, and I think it's funny because I do forget that we're in different stages of our life, but I'm like, we have a timeless soul friendship. <laughs> we do. We do. I think so too. It's just, uh, we just click that way. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a divine appointment for us, I think. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again for co-hosting with me today. I loved this. Me too. And uh, yeah. And everybody, that is a wrap. So we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I'm sure you got something out of it. Um, in case you want to find out more about what Lauren does um, and what she has to offer, just make sure you run on over to her website. It is empoweredsustenance.com. We'll put that in the show notes too. And then of course, if you want to find out what private coaching with me is all about, head on over to lauribischoff.com. And uh, hey, please, if you found value in the show, make sure that you give it a five-star review and a rating. Um, Share it with anybody that you think would benefit from all the good shift being shared here. So until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Step up your health game. Take some responsibility and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. You too, Gary Vee.